Beethoven Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning into episode 79 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Back to the birthplace of jazz we go. To a concert that took place about 60 years ago in some unidentified club on some unidentified date. It featured a lot of great Dixieland musicians, but none more famous than one of the greatest jazz clarinet players there ever was. So... Get ready for more of that fun New Orleans music we heard around the house on a regular basis with Volume 79, Fountain Comes Alive. assembly of jazz musicians here on the bandstand, the likes of which we've never heard before. Now, uh, just listen to these names. On piano, Roy Zimmerman. On drums, Paul Edwards and Roger Johnson. Phil DeRoy on bass. George Durant and Tony Almarico on trumpet. In the trombone section, we have Santo Pecora and Jack Delaney. On clarinet, Pete Fountain and Harry Shields. Frank Federico plays his guitar, and that master of the tennis acts will be with you, Lester Duchamp. Yes, never before have such jazz greats been teamed together here in New Orleans. So get ready for Dixieland at its best. And in just a moment, well, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, the number that you're listening to now is when the Saints go marching in. All right, boys.
And the Saints go marching in. Now, we have long ago discussed that nobody really knows who wrote one of the most famous songs in jazz. It's probably my dad's favorite tune, which is why it's the one that begins and ends each episode of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. And the one we just heard, what a raucous version that one was. Okay, why this album for this episode? Well, my dad really loved Dixieland jazz and has plenty of albums in the genre to prove it. He's got three of Pete Fountain, and this is the second time we've pulled him out of this collection. Now, my dad might have only had three vinyl records of Pete, but he had plenty on CD, including two autographed copies he and my mom grabbed while at Fountains Club in New Orleans one year. One for them and one for me. And yes, I still have them if you are not watching the video version of this show. Now, it's interesting that Pete Fountain isn't up front and center in the recording as you would have thought with his name being up front and center on the album cover. But there is some great Dixieland music coming to you on this episode, like this one. But honestly, it's not really a farewell yet.
Farewell Blues, written by Elmer Schobel, Leon Rapolo, and Paul Maris. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Pete Fountain and other all-star Dixielanders, Dixieland Live Performance in New Orleans. It's on the RCA Camden label, number CAS727E. It's a vinyl LP album stereo format, released in 1962. Its genre is jazz, and its style is Dixieland. Now, I was not able to determine the date or the venue for this recording. And we will hear six of the 10 songs on this album. Okay, the liner notes are relatively short, so I will read all of them. Authentic Dixie by the stylists who made the style. Jazz may have come up the river from New Orleans, as the musical bromide has it, but lots of it remained behind, too, and is still flourishing there. Even though jazz, and especially the Dixieland style of jazz, has fallen into the musical melting pots of Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, San Francisco, and New York, New Orleans has remained the daddy of them all. There's something about New Orleans that keeps its music and its musicians continually vigorous and vital, and the city has remained a potent jumping-off point for happy musical adventures. This, despite the changes in form and pattern that have been taking place in the overall jazz scene through the past couple of decades. Also, New Orleans has continued to be one of the most fertile cities in the country for bringing new musicians to the fore. It is no accident that men like Pete Fountain and Tony Almerico have blossomed after exposure in New Orleans. Although many words have been written about New Orleans' contribution to America's musical history, if you have been able to capture the essence as well as an actual performance... This album is such a performance, and what a performance. Live from New Orleans should be enough of a catchphrase to intrigue any musical buff. But there's more to this album than that, for here we have the stylists who made the style. Foremost among them, perhaps, is Pete Fountain, who has done so much to spread the Dixieland gospel around the country in the past few years. A clarinetist who can stand with the real all-time greats. He has the mellow and lyrical tone that has become identified with the New Orleans clarinet style. And there is Tony Almerico, a trumpeter singer who has upheld the New Orleans tradition for many years. The liner notes then list out the musicians in the band that were introduced before the first number in the episode, and then it finishes. There is a line in the popular New Orleans song Basin Street which says that it's the place where old friends meet. You'll meet most of them here playing away to their delight as well as yours. Now that was written by Mike Gross, music editor of Variety. Let's look to see what prices this record is selling for on Discogs.com. The highest price was $12, the lowest at $3, the average $7.28, with a median of $6.85. It was last sold on Discogs.com on April 6, 2021. Now, I found a copy already sold on eBay for 5 bucks and one for 16 and there were three on Amazon for 
$80. And now that's the Amazon pricing we have come to know and love. Now, my dad's copy is in really good condition. Not much hiss at all. And the electronically processed stereo, stereo of a mono recording has a real nice sound to it. The cover is in fair condition. Plenty of wear along the edges. Uh, there's a price tag on the front of it from the secondhand record store he bought it in, probably in the 1980s sometime. And there is definitely some uh, tears along the edges. So uh, that's what I'll value my dad's vinyl record at, using that sticker right there, $3.98. Next up, time to do some strutting.
Darktown Strutters Ball, written by Shelton Brooks. Okay, time now to learn more about the great Pete Fountain. Peter Dewey Fountain, Jr., family name of LaFontaine, was born July 3, 1930 in New Orleans, the cradle of American music, jazz. He was a skinny kid who spent too much time hanging around the front stoop of the Top Hat Dance Hall near his home. The Top Hat was a stronghold of Dixieland jazz, and jazz already had a stronghold on Pete Fountain. But oh, the sounds. This was music straight from the soul. Sounds that would never be written in stone, that would always be brand new because they were purely personal. Pete heard all the greats in New Orleans, and he knew he wanted to play jazz. After endless hours of practicing and listening to the recordings of Benny Goodman and Irving Fazola, the personal sound of Pete Fountain began to emerge, and it was fat. By the time Pete was 16, he had already gained a reputation on the street, Bourbon Street. Through these formative years of his musical training, Pete performed with several sensational bands. One such band was the Junior Dixieland Band, which performed in the famous Parisian Room, often performing for legendary jazz men. It was a heady time of life, and Pete Fountain was savoring every moment. Until 1956, bebop and rock and roll were the hot new sounds, and the music that Pete loved could not provide him or anybody else with a living. Jazz, in its own birthplace, New Orleans, was definitely asleep. He gave up music. He had no choice. With a wife and three small children to support, music was a luxury he could not afford. And all he really wanted to do was play music. All he needed was a band, a bandstand, and a place to play. In 1957, Lawrence Welk, host of the nation's most popular television program, wanted Pete on the show. And that kind of opportunity only comes once in a lifetime. For two years, Pete was the most famous jazz musician on television. Pete Fountain became a household name, and New Orleans jazz made a comeback that has never faded. After two years in California, Pete came home to New Orleans. He had learned what every New Orleans has to accept as a fact of life. You can leave New Orleans, but it never leaves you. The cuisine, the sights, and the sounds. Pete immediately opened his own jazz club in the heart of the French Quarter. His national fame and fans followed him to New Orleans, which allowed Pete's club to expand into the largest jazz club in the city. Pete has always been considered an ambassador of New Orleans jazz as he performed his music on guest appearances on network television and specials. Pete has performed at four U.S. state dinners by command performance for four presidents of the United States. He has also performed for Pope John Paul II at the New Orleans Papal Mass with an attendance of over 400,000 people. During Pete's career, he has recorded 56 albums and has been a featured performer on 44 additional albums for a total of 100 recordings. Three of Pete's albums have gone gold, Pete Fountain's New Orleans, The Blues, and Mr. New Orleans. He also received a gold record for his hit single, Just a Closer Walk to Thee. Through Pete's career, he has received numerous awards and honors, including a doctorate of music from the College of Santa Fe. He was voted the number one jazz clarinetist for 13 consecutive years in the Playboy Reader's Poll. And he received an Emmy for the 1990 Super Bowl pregame music. Pete has performed with music legends ranging from Louis Armstrong and Harry James to Harry Connick Jr., 
Yet to this day, his greatest thrill is taking the stage and performing the music he loves, watching as it works its irresistible magic on the audience, straight to the soul. Pete Fountain died August 6, 2016, in the city he was born and became famous. I found all that information well written on PeteFountainBlogspot.com. Now time to ramble on some more.
Muskrat Ramble, written by Edward Ory. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with some pretty famous bubbles. Now, this is an excerpt from A Closer Walk, the Pete Fountain story. The funniest thing that ever happened to me while I was with the Lawrence Welk Band happened one night at the Waldorf Historia. Mr. Welk said to me, Peter, I would like you to run the bubble machine tonight. You will be backstage anyway, waiting to come on, so just put the fluid in it and then let the machine run during the first number. We got the usual cue that we were on the air and the band struck up the theme. I poured in too much fluid. I didn't know any better. The bubbles were supposed to drift gracefully up from behind the band and float out across the ballroom. An impressive trademark of the Welk Show. That night, they crowded down over the band like Niagara Falls. There were bubbles everywhere. I thought that the effect was great, so I poured in some more. (laughs) There were so many bubbles that the guys couldn't even read their sheet music. And in the middle of all that stood Lawrence Welk, completely helpless. It was the most memorable opening of any live television show. Now, by the way, Fountain left the Welk show because champagne and bourbon didn't mix. And I wonder how much bourbon he had before he released those bubbles, those famous bubbles. I don't know. I think they had a thing about naming songs after streets in Dixieland music.
12th Street Rag, written by Uday L. Bowman. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I always love hearing Pete Fountain. (laughs) Ask my girlfriend because I played the last episode I featured Fountain in about six times in a row one weekend. And knowing that my parents got to see him in New Orleans at his place is a special connection. I just wish I had had the chance to see him. Okay, Pete, bring us home.
Won't You Come Home, Bill Bailey, written by Huey Cannon. And there you have selections from one of the greatest musicians to ever come out of the Big Easy. So thanks for tuning into Volume 79, Fountain Comes Alive, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 80, Highfalutin. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶